Welcome back, everyone, to Free Wide, our once-weekly podcast discussing NASCAR and Formula One stuff that happened over the last two weeks for this episode since we were out last week. I'm Caleb. I'm Connor. I'm Brandon, otherwise known as Dad. All right, how are we all doing this weekend? I mean, well, the last two weekends, we had a whole two weeks of vacation. And for those wondering where we were last week, well, uh, we just kind of went to the beach. We put, picked up some Nice suns. and refreshed. <laughs> Chicago was like the... I like Chicago. Their uh, racing this week was uh, pretty good, actually. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect a lot of passing, but like that surprised me. I thought it was two good weeks of racing. We're, we'll get into the details here in just a second, but it was nice to we watched Nashville at the beach, and then we watched Chicago last night. So two good weeks for NASCAR, I believe. I agree with that. Uh, I have an important announcement to make. I am sh- I am g- having a change in my diet. I'm going to start drinking Red Bull more often. I mean, it's worked for so many of the motor racing series so far. I mean, Verstappen being, well, Verstappen. uh, Shane Van Gisbergen was wearing a Red Bull helmet for the NASCAR race. And Alex Pillow, who is rumored to be in an IndyCar, who is rumored to be in one of the AlphaTauri seats maybe next year, is dominating IndyCar. So, I mean, I have to try it. I mean, I'll... Maybe who knows? Maybe I'll land an Xfinity ride when it first shot. Speaking of, uh, speaking of SVG, yeah, that's the biggest news. Shane Van Gisbergen out in his first ever NASCAR Cup Series race wins at the Chicago Street Course, and he is the first guy to have won in his first ever start since 1963. And that and that race in 1963 was a qualifying race. So if you're looking for an actual race, you'll have to go back even farther. Dang, that's crazy. I mean, it is amazing. I mean, you get a guy from Australia, which I had read some articles. Evidently, the next-gen car is similar to what they run in Australia, which is kind of a V8 Trans Am. There are similarities, but still. I mean, anybody coming to NASCAR and winning on their first try, I mean, it's that, that's an amazing feat. SVG, I mean, I mean sorry, SVG, is a, that, that's a, that is an unbelievable drive on his first drive. Chase Elliott was quoted to say, Shane's going to go back to Australia and tell his guys how bad we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, there's a lot of things that came together for him to win this race, but say, hey, he, the, guy, the guy come halfway across the world and, and beat the NASCAR drivers. And he drove from 18th all the way to first over the course of about 30 or so laps in a, tra- in a track that we were worried that there, was gonna be a lot of, there wasn't going to be a lot of passing. Did he get the benefit of that crazy pileup that happened there with, I don't know, how many laps was left to go with it? You know, there was a crazy pile up there. There was like 12, 14 cars piled up. Did he get a little bit? Did he move forward on that a little bit? Do you remember? I think so because I saw on the leaderboard he was like 25th at one point, and I'm pretty sure he gained like 10 positions because I saw him in like 16th. Yeah, I think he did get a little bit for that. But, but, but again, you know, as we were watching the race, he was running a second faster than everybody, sometimes two seconds faster, and, and the guy was just had it dialed in. I mean, he was in his own, and, and he was knocking them out one-on-one. This guy's lap time, everybody else was doing a 131.8, and this guy was doing a 129.1. Is that is that Max Verstappen in the disguise? Maybe. I mean, he is wearing a Red Bull helmet, so it does make sense. <laughs> so, uh, other than uh, the whole story about Shane Van Gisbergen winning his first-ever NASCAR race, I mean, there was a bunch of other stories that happened. I mean, Justin Haley finished second. Chase Elliott was in third. Now, I heard something interesting. I heard that Chase Elliott was apparently in a must-win situation, so I decided to check the uh, standings and make sure I was, you know, seeing that if that was right or not. He's actually only 55 points below the cut line. 
He can theoretically point his way in, but it's a bit of a long shot. He's going to need some help from uh, maybe his teammates. One other thing I would like to point out that some people who could also point their way in is McDowell and AJ. Those shock me because we really have not seen them a lot this season. You have seen AJ a lot at road courses, though. But McDowell, he's been quite. He has had some quiet days. He started sixth today and finished seventh. So there's that. Um, a few other guys I wanted to point out: uh, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. At one point, both were uh, under the tires, and they came home to finish fourth and fifth. Uh, Ty Gibbs just kind of consistently hanging it in there. Gets another top ten. Uh, another guy who did pretty well until he didn't do too well was Jensen Button, uh, the 2009 F1 champion. He was running inside the top 10 for majority of the race. And then I think he got, I think there was a bad like strategy call in, in Requair Rockets. No, I think what happened was at a lap like 45 or something, they called the race 25 laps shorter. And that basically screwed some people over. So that put like Justin Haley in first, Chase Elliott in second, bunch of those people up. Because this race before then was dominated by Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, which then hit proceeded to hit the barriers later later on. I don't understand that rage and shortening the race though. I mean, NASCAR has done this before. They've they done did it at tracks, New Hampshire, New Hampshire. in 2021. Right. There, there's been other times NASCARs it said, "Hey, we're shortening this race by 50 miles, 100 miles, how many so many laps?" This happened again. I, I've seen some crew chiefs out there whining about it. I mean, Kyle Busch came out and said. There's no chance we're going to finish this race uh, at the at the uh, advertised distance. So we went ahead and pitted early, knowing they're going to short it. So I mean, some guys played it smart, like he did, and it paid off for him. And I don't, I guess I don't understand the outrage of shortening it. I mean, clearly it's going to get dark, and these crew chiefs is almost like they're mad because they didn't figure it out. I mean, I, I don't really understand. I seen Hamlin's crew chief, and I seen um, uh, Christopher Bell's crew chief was really really upset, saying NASCAR threw him a curveball, and and and. I don't understand that rage. <laughs> this is not the first time NASCAR's done this. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you can run the advertisements, but at the same time, safety's got to come first. If they, if NASCAR felt like they couldn't safely run the race past sundown, I think there was no reason that NASCAR should have run the race past sundown. I mean, the city had like seven inches of rain since like the night before. It was a, a, a literally they they were showing. The National Weather Service was forecasting um, flood warning. Flood warning. I mean, literally, like this was a life or death situation. At one point in time, it was raining so much, and you know, so the, the race got delayed like an hour and fifteen minutes. And you know, so again, I, I don't know why some of these crew chiefs was thinking that. I mean, it was slower lap times because of the wet road. Uh, that's something we're, we'll, we may get into. I mean, NASCAR uh, trying uh, rain tires for a points race. And um, you know it worked out great. You know it's kind of kind of an F one thing. As soon as the, as soon as the tracks start drying off, they had to switch over to the softs, which made their lap times faster. And, and some people was trying to time it perfectly, so it was almost like an F one strategy in a way. But I mean, again, I mean there was a lot of factors. I mean NASCAR. This was a. I gotta be honest. I was pretty skeptical about this race. I, you know, road course package has not been good. And I was kind of afraid this is going to be one of those F1 races where the leader wins by like 17 seconds and the whole field strung out. We don't see any passes. And 
you know, then the weather happened, and it seemed like there was a lot going against NASCAR. But hey, man, they pulled it off. I mean, the, the car looked pretty good on a street course race. Um, there was some passing for the lead. I mean, there was not a lot of passing per se, but there was enough passing. The uh, most of the drivers struggled, as you commented a few minutes ago. There were several drivers who got under the tire barriers multiple times. Um, there were some struggles out there, and th- but this race turned out to be very well. I mean, the, of course, I mean nobody can argue with the scenery of the race with with the downtown Chicago skyline in the background. I mean, that was that was cool to see. We've never been to Chicago. We may go one day and and watch the Cubs play or something. But I mean, it, that's that was a cool scene. But um, you know, kudos and NASCAR for trying this. You know, I think we have seen or read. You know, they supposedly spent almost fifty million dollars putting this race together. You know, I think there's a factor out there. Is I, you know, it's I don't think they want that information out there. But you know, they're in a contract negotiation right now with all these owners about a split of the pie. And you know, I'm sure these owners are going to be like, if you're going to spend fifty million dollars to put on a race, I think you can give us more of a slice of the pie. So there's a lot of factors there. Uh, we may not may or may not get into some of these, but I mean, I, I thought it was a, a positive from NASCAR this weekend. It was something different. You can now take this thing to multiple markets. You know, Chicago does have a three-year contract on this, but uh, it seems like there's some political. I don't think the the new mayor was just elected was all that enamored with shutting down streets on July Fourth weekend. So there's some rumors out there he may cancel it, get out of the contract. Um, seems like a lot of some politics involved there. But I mean, to me, you could take us to just about any city that's willing to have it: Denver, Seattle, Pittsburgh. Or wherever, if you're going to do one of these a year, I, you know I, I don't want to get crazy. This don't don't want to do six of these a year or, or whatever. But I, I think it was a pretty neat thing to do. Certainly, NASCAR is wanting to grow. They're wanting to go international. This does give them an option to go international, Saudi Arabia, blah 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 blah, blah and, and whatever. So we'll see what happens. But this was a good weekend for NASCAR. I think. Yeah. I one. Gr- I'm sorry. You go ahead. One thing that uh, me and Dad were talking about um, yesterday during the race was that there's. They did spend fifty million on this, but you gotta think about this. Ticket ticket sellings the next three years I think they're gonna make up these that fifty million dollars because they're gonna see how good of a good of a race this year's was. It's gonna be sold out for next year and then not if the mayor don't want them back. And that's, that's that is true. We'll see what happens. Like I said, when politics get in they kinda poisons everything, so we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. I think the mayor might change his views after seeing the ratings because those ratings was the highest ratings that NBC has had since the two thousand and seventeen homestead race. And that race was pretty important in its own right. That was a pretty astonishing number. I mean, four and a half million people watched that race, and that was that was a pretty astonishing number. Uh, you know, the, the mayor did say today. I read that he said he would assess the race and give it a grade, and and we'll see where it goes. So he definitely was not committed uh, to the next year's race, which to me kind of hurts NASCAR. I mean, you want to go ahead and capitalize off this positive vibe, start selling tickets for next year. So this to me is kind of hurts NASCAR. I mean, the mayor almost acts like this is going to be a coin flip. So I hope it stays. You know, I hope he comes back. It was it was neat to see, and we'll see where it goes. Great to see, but like you said, there was a lot of factors working against. I mean, Mother Nature was, well, uh, very, to to say the least, uh, very unkind, yes. I mean, I I didn't know Mother Nature had a personal vendetta against NASCAR, you know? I mean, they canceled the Xfinity race, which was already under a weather delay due to, uh, well, rain. And Cole Custer was declared the winner there. And they didn't even get to halfway to 
call the race official, which I'm sure has drawn the ire of so many people. Yeah, this is the first time I think ever that they've that they said if they have to cancel it, they have to do it halfway. But they didn't do halfway this time. They were before halfway, so that's they, the first time ever. They went two laps before halfway, and I think they were gonna try and like run the two laps under pace car, but I think they just inevitably scrapped the idea and just called the race all together. Yeah, it reminds me of this one race called Belgium 2021. Don't know if y'all heard of that, though. Yeah, that race uh, was... Uh, uh, just to go look it up yourself, I'm not going to go in <laughs> get into uh, what's going, what went on there. But, I mean, going in today, I mean, I, heard an, I saw an article that said if NASCAR doesn't get the Chicago race in the Sunday, they were going to have to cancel the whole thing instead of just rerunning it another day, which... I think has something to do with that mayor that we just said. Yeah, about. there's a lot going on in the background. We're just thankful NASCAR got it in. It seemed like it ended on a positive note. Uh, the fans were excited. I mean, we watched multiple laps where they were showing fans taking pictures. I mean, everybody had a cell phone out recording. I mean, it was it was a cool to see the new fans be really excited about NASCAR. It was cool to see. Yeah, it was very cool to see. So let's uh, move right along. We're actually going to talk about the NASCAR race that happened a couple weeks ago in Nashville. So we're going to take a short little break. We're going to come right back to you. All right, we are back from our break, and we're going to talk about Nashville that happened two weeks ago, which while we were at vacation, we did decide to watch the race and make notes of the race from there, so that way we could talk about it. I think the first, I think uh, the winner of that race was equally as important. Ross Chastain finally breaks through a 42-race winless streak. I get a guarantee you that Watermelon thought he was an emotional support <laughs> Watermelon at that point, and wins at Nashville after starting the race on pole, so he won from pole, but he didn't lead the majority of the laps. Yeah, um, he was going to get in the playoffs anyway, so I guess it just secures his um, secures his seat and proves that he still has that, that he still can win races without being them being on, like, road courses, play races. But this is also back-to-back weeks for Trackhouse, the first, first time ever for that team. I think this was huge for Ross. I mean – He's not been the same since Darlington ever since Hendrick called him out. Uh, the guy seemed like he struggled. I mean, I don't know if it's mentally or what, but he has had her definitely a rough patch. And I think this was great for Ross. I think he came out and, 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 as you said, didn't really dominate the race, but he was there at the end, put himself in contention, and, and just pulled away at the end from Truex. I mean, we look like Truex had the best car of the night. But uh, Ross, man, he was just uh, – I mean, he just kind of pushed through and won. I mean, it was good to see. It was good to see the Ross back. He is great for NASCAR. We, you definitely want to see him in the mix, um, being aggressive, winning races. I mean, he is definitely better for the sport. It was really good to see him win. I think uh, the Truex versus Chastain fight is actually a really good example of Truex had a better short run car, but yet Ross Chastain had a much better long yeah, run what a car, group. and that was. And I think that was very evident with how Chastain could pull away from Truex, or when Truex was ahead, Chastain could kind of close up and just navigate through lap traffic. And I got to say, where Chastain shot the middle of those two lap cars, that was very impressive to me. Yeah, yeah. Toyota's again another good week for them in Nashville. They and Chevrolet's pretty well dominated. Um, I, the first forward I see is Kozlowski and Leva. So, again, Toyota, Toyota has, has come along. Uh, them and Chevrolet both, and it seems like those two have, um, um, are, have kind of surged to the front. Another, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, at Nashville was uh, a little incident that happened on one of the restarts where Kyle, where Brad Kozlowski got a little squirrely, 
Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney were sent into a chain reaction. Busch was able to keep it going. However, Ryan Blaney slammed hard into a concrete wall, not a safer barrier wall, but a concrete wall. And, well, let's just say it took him a little while to get out of the car. I think that could have been concussion protocol. That looked like the concussion protocol hit. That looked that looked harder. That looked like the harder hit than Kurt Busch's direct a couple of years back. I think the interview in Chicago, Blaney said that he had concussion symptoms until almost to Friday morning. I mean, he uh, definitely got his bell rung that race for sure. And, and I mean, I, again, I had seen where NASCAR and, and the track officials all decide where to put safety barriers, where it's not needed. And I think we're, it, we'll definitely see them in that wall next year. That's for sure. I definitely agree there. I definitely looked like it knocked the wind out of Blaney and. I don't. It'll be definitely rung his bell. Yeah, definitely didn't help him uh, this week. Finished dead last at Chicago in the Chicago Street Course, so definitely didn't help him there. But that's two bad weeks for Blaney. He'll will probably have to worry about just getting it back on, getting it back to the top ten. I thought stuff. you know the, the the surprise of Nashville to me was Eric Jones. Uh, had an eighth eighth place finish. I mean, to me, he was a surprise. He was kind of in that top ten all day long. And, uh, you know, man, Legacy has really struggled this year. Him and the rest of them. Um, um, who's the other driver? Gregson. Yeah, Gregson's Gregson. In nowhere. Gregson, poor guy, wrecked like 16 times in Chicago, it felt like. And, At least. <laughs> and, uh, but, but he, yeah, Jones had a great race in Nashville. So that was good to see Legacy uh, get up there and, um, in that track, I think Nashville Super Speedway puts on a good race every year. I, th- I agree. I think we should go there. I'd argue we should go there and not the fairgrounds. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, SMI, Speedway Motorsports, which owns Charlotte, Bristol, blah, 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 uh, they have been pushing for two years uh, that to get that race sanctioned at the fairgrounds. There has been major pushback um, there. I think they're about to get it pushed through. You would assume, I mean, SMI Day will have to go to Nashville if they do get it, so I don't know if it'd be Bristol or what, but I mean, there has been major pushback there. I'm like, but they are, they are content. They are wanting to see that race go through there. I think it'll be cool to see. If they don't, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. I wonder if Nashville could get it like a street race or something, but. Um, the, Nashville Street, the Nashville Street Race that they have for IndyCar is not the most well NASCAR sanctioned track. I heavily doubt we'll go there. Right. So, well, I mean, we'll see what happens with Fairgrounds. I mean, I, I think the Speedway is a is. I think it puts on a good race. The Super Nashville Super, Super Speedway. I think it puts on a good race. Yeah, the first race in 2021 was okay, but these last two years have been pretty solid in um, racing. So, we'll see. Where this takes Nashville in the future. Uh, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'll say this, though. I think it was a good race, maybe because there was a lack of cautions. I mean, other than the uh, Ryan Blaney caution, there was only one other wreck caution, and that was for uh, Tyler Reddick losing a wheel. So I'm sure uh, his crew chief was thanking him for that. (laughs) But uh, other than that, there wasn't really a lot of cautions except for the stage cautions. And honestly, I think that might have been a good thing because, I mean, it just kind of let the cars themselves just figure out whether or not they were good or not. I mean, you, we, I talked about earlier how Truex and Chastain was a good example of short run versus long run. There was good passing. I mean, lap traffic played a factor. I mean, we kind of worried whether or not Truex was going to catch up to Chastain with the lap traffic, but right there. One other thing I forgot to mention was after the race, Daniel Suarez and Chase Briscoe got into it. I still don't know what was that, what that was all about. Yeah, it was probably a 
competition for who can get 25th. <laughs> yeah, I might have seen that dust up. You know, I want to go back to Chastain. You know, he's got a lot of hate, um, even with his race wins. You know, he got that, you know, they said he pushed people out of the way at Coda. That was kind of a fluky win, and then it was a fluky win at uh, Talladega. You know, they're all, of course, all those. But this has been his first true win, per se. So, um, you know, I, I thought that was big for him. Um, and like I said, I think, again, Chastain's great for the sport. I certainly, think, certainly want to see him win, do well. Yeah, I think he deserved this win, too, because that pass we saw th- threading the needle. Like, I don't think any other driver can do that. I think that Ross Chastain is – that was a bold move because – if it was any other driver, they would have wo- waited on them, and they probably would have got a pass. I think we should. I think that's a good note to end it on. Uh, let's take a short little break, and then we'll talk about the uh, F1 news that happened this week, and well, all the dominance that came with that. All right, we are back from our break, and now we're going to move into the world of F1 and all the Verstappen dominance that comes with said F1 world. And this week, we were in we were in Austria, otherwise known as the Red Bull Ring. And I mean, when you hear a name like Red Bull Wing, you already have five guesses on who's going to win, and all of them start with Max and end with Verstappen. Yeah, Verstappen, basically Red Bull dominance. We had... Some sort, some sort of a threat from P- Perez. Then, after that first lap, he was just like twenty seconds at least. Twenty seconds at least at the end. When you can come in on the final lap, take on tires, go out for the fastest lap, and still win by over five seconds. I mean, that's that's pure dominance. I mean, and, and right now Verstappen is on another planet. I don't let nobody can argue that the guy is absolutely unstoppable at this point. Um. Mercedes had kind of surged a little bit last few weeks. They were not good this weekend. So, I mean, at this point, it's almost like Helmut Marco can probably quit doing updates to this car rest of the season and probably still doing the keep and probably still win all the races while all these all these other teams are doing all these upgrades. I mean, it's it's unreal to see. I, I mean, that- even Sergio can't even touch him. Uh, on the topic of uh, Sergio Perez, uh, this is his now fourth straight race that he has failed to make it out of Q2. Still got a podium on this one. So he definitely yeah. has been through. He's kind of like a Ross thing. It's It's been through a rough patch for him. He's been called out publicly. Um, but rough patch for Sergio. But it was definitely good to see him back on the podium. Uh, see him smile again. I mean, he had a decent – He had what, if I remember right, in the sprint race, he had a second-place finish there, third-place finish in the race. So better, much better weekend for him. Like you said, he's got to get to Q3 in qualifying. I saw that one theory that uh, – one theory about Daniel Ricciardo coming to Red Bull is that he was just a threat to Perez be- – if Perez tries to do any dirty moves on Verstappen. So that is one theory. I think, to be honest, I think it's true. What do you all think? I don't know. The uh, lap one on the uh, sprint race in Austria definitely uh, t- convinced me otherwise. I mean, Perez almost pushes Verstappen into the grass after getting the lead off the first corner, which then caused Verstappen to retaliate going into the hairpin. Well, not really retaliate, just more lock up. And then Perez did the exact same thing, and for all that gl- for that brief shining moment, we all thought Nico Hulkenberg might have gotten a podium. Yeah, going back to that 
Verstappen dive bomb on Perez. That reminds me of one moment in familiar 2019 Austria when Leclerc was about to win it and Verstappen will Verstappen him. Ouch. Yeah, then Hulkenberg finishes last. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Anyhow, uh, overall, what do, we, what do we think about the sprint beforehand? I, I'm honestly, I'm a lot more negative. I've, I thought it was an okay format when, uh, tw- when it happened in 2021 and 2022. I didn't think it was a great format, which, for those who don't know, the 2021 and 22 format was where you did the sprint race, and that determined your qualifying order for the re- regular race that weekend it was meant to be so cars would be out of order for the grid like say like there was a lap one incident taking out two red bulls and two mercedes those guys would be in the back while say an alpha tower somehow got a podium he would start like third or second but this year they are the sprint races are their own standalone events and personally i'm a lot more negative to these i think there's no point in running uh, the standalone race However, F1 seems to think there's a point to him. We're running six of them this year. I think I've I think I've said this before on this podcast, but I think that if you're not tenth on back, it's just not a race for them. It's just to get it home and not do anything. And the points, like why eight points for finishing first? That like well, that's basically any race. You can't give them full points because yeah, you're, you're racing a third of the laps. You can't give them full points, but. I mean, I I think it's one of them deals to where it puts more eyeballs on TVs, it, which means it has uh, more advertising money, and there's there's a whole this is all money driven. I mean, this there's no doubt. I agree with you. I like the format better when it kind of dictated qualifying, but this is all about they can draw ten times as many viewers to watch that many race versus the qualifying aspect or the practice aspect of it. So that's that's what it's all about, really, is 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 the money part of it. And it's working for them. Mm, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean I mean F one's already an expensive sport. Let's make it more expensive. Why not? What about Lando? I mean, he was kind of the hero of the race. He got driver of the day all the way up to fifth on the track, which was promoted to fourth after something we'll talk about later. But I mean Mc- Norris had the race pace, and Oscar Piastri did not. Which, side note, I didn't know they let Daniel Ricciardo back early. Well, and for our listeners, or listen, we're talking about Lando Norris driving the McLaren car. Um, he has been one of the most promising young guys in the sport this year. He struggled. McLaren in general struggled, and uh, man, he's he come out fourth place finish this year. I mean, I'm sorry, this race, and good to see. I mean, uh, good to see him. You know, again, we want. We want drivers to come in and mix it up with Red Bull. Obviously, no one's on that stratosphere at the moment. But uh, I, I like to see McLaren getting up there pushing Ferrari, pushing Mercedes, pushing Aston Martin. And kind of funny, ever since Alonzo's bold prediction, Aston Martin has kind of struggled over the last few weeks. We'll see what happens to Silverstone this week. But. Ironic. Speaking of which, for Silverstone, McLaren's announced they're running a special livery for uh, Silverstone. They're going to be running a chrome livery. Yeah, but I've I seen it today. It wasn't – it wasn't – that big of a deal, I didn't think. I I think I like the chrome livery. It's it might reminded me of the Vodafone McLaren colors, but the problem is I think it kept too much of the orange from McLaren. I think it, I would have liked it better if it was like all chrome. Like to be honest, like this car in the front, like seventy five percent of this car look like the same car we've seen all of twenty twenty three, but like the back twenty five percent where like the number is, it's chrome, which I like it. If it was 
fully on the car. The big thing that I think there w- the reason there wasn't a lot of chrome is due to the fact that chrome adds weight to the car, apparently. And since you got to make every car as light as humanly possible, too much paint is apparently a liability. Yeah, two th- 2008 McLaren begs to differ, differ, though. That is fair. I will give him that. But I think we should talk about another factor in play at Austria. Track limits. I... That are, that, this is the one track where we hear about track limits all the time, and how many lap we? I heard there was a stat in qualifying that 47 laps were deleted for track limits, and about, and there was about at least five kibjillion penalties at post race at uh, Austria. I mean, Dad, you once said that you thought the FIA was going on a power trip until you remember that the track limits were really tight there. I think there's one of them deals where the race organizers and FA has got to get together. I mean, you don't want our races dictated by officials. We say that in NASCAR. We don't want the, we don't want the races in the hands of NASCAR officials. And same thing with the F1. You do not want the race being dictated by uh, officials who are penalizing people for track limits and which are really a lot of judgment calls. And uh, like you said, it was ridiculous this weekend. 47 penalty or 47 deleted times in practices, and there was multiple drivers who got – 5, 10, 20, 30-second penalties in F1, which is, again, just ridiculous. They've got to come up with some sort of thing where they put up some curbing or something to keep the cars where they need to be. And it was it was ridiculous. It was I mean, I think Verstappen called it amateur, and so did Horner. Uh, I, I agree with that statement. Yes. You might as well just give this, give this to Verstappen, but then again, he'll probably still win, you know? That is true. I think Verstappen was clear of any of the penalties, but there was two sets of penalties, the ones that happened in the race and then the ones that were added after Aston Martin protested the results of the race, saying that more drivers exceeded track limits, which personally was Aston Martin, which to me sounded like Aston Martin whiny because they didn't finish good. Yeah, they like I said again, ever since that whole bold prediction for Canada, they, they have not been, I mean, I ain't going to say the struggle, but they have been, they've not been where they've been, that's for sure. What is it with Fernando Alonso and jinxing teams? I mean, they finished well, fifth. Stroll finished ninth this week. Um, you know, again, it's just kind of a struggle for them here lately. For you know, they, he's been getting podiums pretty well every week. Look competitive. They to me, they've not really looked competitive in the last few races. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to give you agree with you on that one. I Ferrari think. looked better. I, I would say that Ferrari, Leclerc. Uh, First podium from him in a few races, he looked a lot better. Yeah, one thing I, w- I would like to, n- to say is that during qualifying, Leclerc was only like 500 back on Verstappen, so that could be a sign of things to come, but I don't see it. I think uh, I think Ferrari engine cars in general have better qualifying pace than they do race pace. I mean, the Haas themselves always get into, seem to always get into Q3, but they never seem to finish in the points, and the Ferraris always seem to start better seemed to start a lot better than when they finished. Now, this week, Leclerc started and finished second. But, I mean, Ferrari seemed to gotten getting a lot better. I mean, they had good qualifying pace. They had pretty good race pace. And they actually had pretty decent strategy, which, I mean, was a shock to me. Yeah, that's crazy. It really is. So, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to move on to interesting tactics, as well as some predictions for next week. So, we'll see you, see you after the break. All right, we are back from our break, and we are going to move into interesting tactics as well as our predictions for next week. And, okay, sorry about the uh, 
Sorry about the background noise. Anyhow, uh, let's move on to interesting tactics. And I think, Connor, I think we should start with you again. Um, so, yeah. Noah, I think um, you're supposed to turn left instead of just uh, running into the barrier. Like, what are you turning, doing, mate? I think uh, turning left does help in that situation. That's his least favorite road. What was it? It was one, I think it was Lake Michigan Avenue. Avenue who, are like you, who are you referring to? Noah Gregson. Gregson, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Mm. I think he had three wrecks, three crashes into the same terror barrier. Turn six, I believe it was. All right, Dad, <laughs> what's your interesting tactic of the week? Uh, FIA, 47 deleted penal, uh, lap times, multiple penalties this week. It was, it was I would agree with uh, Verstappen and Horner. Very amateur. I mean, this interesting tactic of the week is FIA says we're taking this race over. <laughs> All right, my interesting tactic comes from the Formula One sprint race this week, and that was when the rain started. Well, more like stopped. Hulkenberg decided to pit for mediums, which cars were pitting on soft, so I thought, what in the world are you doing, Nico? However, he had a, near the final few laps of the race, he had a six-second gap to Ocon coming out of turn two and uh, passed him on the front straightaway and was about to pass both the Aston Martins when they decided that working together was impossible. Yeah, this is, goes back to the point system, who's a little bit, well, for me at least, but... He's passing someone where, in an actual race, probably be worth like seven points. This is only worth like what two, one, one points, two points. I believe fourth is actually worth about four. It's not fourth. It was like six for him. All right, so that was about three. All right, so let's move on to predictions. And uh, so we had a few uh, predictions. I think I won Nashville with Byron finishing the highest, uh, and. And I believe... Dad won with Chase Elliott. Right. All right, so let's talk about our predictions for Atlanta. And I'm going to start go up first, and I'm going to say we had a guy who's close to winning both Atl- all three Atlanta races so far. His name is Corey LaJoy. I'm predicting he's, fi- he's finally going to break through. I think that's a great pick. I mean, the guy has been right there in condition for, for whatever, Atlanta for whatever reason. He's been right there. What's your pick? I'm going Chase Elliott. The guy needs a win. He won the race last year. I'm going to chase Elliott. I'm going to say I'm going to go with Brad Kozlowski, which he has been up there with. Second in the spring there. Plate races. So hopefully he finally breaks through here. Plus his RFK cart. They're 13th in the points, 13th and 14th with uh, Chris Wisher and him. All right. So that's what about uh, Silverstone? I mean, I, certainly we're all, we're all predicting Verstappen's going to win. What about the podium? I mean, Silverstone generally puts on one of the better F1 races of the year, generally. Um, Podium-wise, what are you thinking? You, are you thinking Leclerc and you thinking uh, uh, Aston Martin? Or what are you thinking here at uh, Silverstone? Well, I... Signs was good there last year. Signs won last year. Um, uh, I think it'll be obviously Verstappen first. However, I'm going to say Verstappen's closest fighter all week will be Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton's always had a great history of being good at Silverstone, and I think Lewis Hamilton will be right there finishing second again. And and as for the other podium finisher, I'm going to say I think it'll be another Brit, George Russell. I'm going to say Verstappen, obviously, and I agree with you with Lewis Hamilton second. But third is a wild card, so I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to say Carlos Sainz. 
All right. What about you, Dad? I, I'm going to stick with I think I think that uh, Leclerc is going to be right there, and I, I'm going to go back with Alonso. I think they kind of I think they'll come back with a, some few upgrades for Silverstone and and and, and see where they're at. So I mean, it's going to be a good week. Atlanta should be a great race uh, Sunday night. Silverstone again is one of the better races for F1 on the calendar. Uh, so it should be a really good week for uh, for racing this week. Hot take: uh, the Chromium uh, McLaren car is not going to finish in the points. Either of the two cars will not finish in the points. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, they get they get fifty seconds taken off just for the ugly, just for the audacity bring back car. Let's hope there's not another Gwen Yu Joe. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Flip it into the almost to the crowd, or is it year. Joe Gwen Yu or whatever you know? <laughs> Forward, backwards, ever you say his name. Yeah. Hot take: Do you think someone gets their first points this week? And do you think DeVries or Sargent gets their point first points this week? Uh, no. I mean, Alpha Terry's been awful. Hot I, take: No. Yeah. Alpha Terry's been awful. No. No chance. All righty. So that's gonna wrap it up this week for interest for free wide and. We hope to see you all next week. We'll talk about Atlanta and Silverstone then. Until then, happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America.